guys. This is Danny. And this is Molly. And this is Black Chicklet. And we are mm-hmm. excited. We're excited. We're excitement. <laughs> because we are talking about the Black Chicklet classic. <laughs> Their eyes were watching God. Yes. And I I'm am so excited for this. <laughs> I am so excited. Before we get to that, let's check in. How are you doing, Molly? How's little baby? <laughs> <laughs> He's good. We've been calling him Bebo. <laughs> Not Debo, I hope. Not Debo. Okay. Bebo. So I guess that's the name we could use. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's good. He's um he's three months old now. So he is um getting big. Aww. Um he's, you know, learning to use his hands more. Um being more alert. We're trying to get him on a schedule. Um talking about daycare. It's just Ooh. All those adult decisions. All those adult decisions. And he's just, he's just the sweetest um, little baby. It's, it's strange because he still looks like exactly like, he looks like me, like my face, but like a white man's color. (laughs) Black like me. like looking at him looking at me <laughs> looking at my husband <laughs> but it's like just um my whole pregnancy my dad was like um your baby's gonna look like me <laughs> he made it happen all, right he was like i got those strong genes <laughs> like we don't really look like him like we have my brothers um uh, we have more like you know my mom's kind of like coloring and features especially like the eyes and everything but he was like this time he was like nope this baby's gonna look exactly like me and he does it it's like what the fuck happened it's so weird like I can see people like looking at him looking at me looking at Frankie and be like huh have you seen that one episode of Spongebob where they raise the clay yes <laughs> and they do I watch that like a couple neighbors do the math thing in their head and then like sponge plus uh, starfish equals clam. I'm just picturing that's, that. That's what we're getting. Um, I, he's also super loud. He loves yelling. Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> my nephew turns one this month Aww. on St. Patrick's Day. And it's like I was talking about it with a friend. Like he seems to have aged really fast. Like he is growing. Like he's like, oh my gosh, he's one already. Meanwhile, my youngest niece... Uh-huh. feels like she's been here for years <laughs> decades she's turning three this year and i'm like you are not that new and i guess she is it's just like she's in this weird time warp because it felt like 10 years for her to turn one it felt uh-huh. like it was 10 years for her to turn two <laughs> and now she has finally finally reached the ripe old age of three years old <laughs> you're like i thought you were 30 so i thought i was like how are you only three my one friend's theory is because she's the middle child. I think probably. So the first one you kind of keep up with, and the baby, you know, seems to grow really fast. But that middle child is just like lost in the wilderness. It is. I was like, ooh, time is relative because the day. <laughs> I was like, aren't you in high school already? Like, <laughs> three. I can't. And, just, and that's in two months. She still got two more months of me, too. <laughs> 
So, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, other than that, I'm going to tip some um, two-strand twists on my hair when I go back <laughs> to work. Say a little prayer for me. Oh, good luck. I want some box braids. I finally, just, like, I want some braids because I'm just tired of, like, dealing with my hair and I kind of just want right. to rest. Right. So I love it, but it's like, ooh, you go. And I told you about the last time I got my hair braided. Yes, you did. <laughs> that late. <sighs> ooh, and then you're there for, like... 45 years exactly and you learn all about that person and then like at the end you're like i don't ever want to go back exactly <laughs> it's a struggle so i'm gonna try it myself oh find we'll a youtube see. video we were talking i'm sure there's a youtube video i saw and you know what i see the youtube videos i've tried it before and i can i know how to do it it's just like getting them neat so i'm gonna try one yeah. that's like supposed like supposed to look kind of messy and boho oh that's cute so i'm like okay i think i can do this i don't have to know geometry <laughs> to like, or see the back of my head or see the back of my head to do this one but you know the back the back the hair on the back of my head is like a looser curl pattern oh I so like no matter curl. right no matter what i do it looks like i have a mullet <laughs> no matter what I do, it looks like I have a mullet. My mom threatened to relax my hairline because your hair, because <laughs> it's so tight at the hairline, and then it like like what you said, it's looser lower down. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't know what kind of weirdo just texture up. Yeah, <laughs> just the hairline. No, it'll be like a uh. reverse when the when the new growth comes. Right. Mm-mm. <laughs> That would be a, a whole lot of luck. Oh, let her near my head. Um, something you said that did remind me. Did you see uh, that net, new Netflix documentary called Babies? I, so we watched the first one. Oh, did you? Is it good? I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I wanted to see it because I I like the premise. Uh-huh. I think it's interesting. I feel like when you look at babies, they got a lot of catching up to do in one year. Yeah. And it's like, woo, child. And the, the preview makes it look like so like happy and... All this stuff, and it's like literally every single thing. They're like, we wondered if moms were happy around their babies. The su- results were surprising. They were. <laughs> we wondered if dads were happy around their babies. The results were surprising. They were. Like literally over and over and over and over again. Why it's do they like, keep saying it's surprising? I don't know, expect. girl. That's funny. That's okay. what you would expect. So, like, I just want you to watch... Um, Love is blind in the circle. Yes. Yes. I will get on that. Because I've you gotta. seen some You'll, tweets. You're going to love it. I've seen some things and I'm like, I'm on it. Ah, <laughs> uh, love. Like, it's, it's well. Speaking of love, this is... Speaking of... A good lead-in to the romantic trials and tribulations of one J.D. Crawford. Like, J.D. reminded me so much of, like, just a check on like a reality dating show or something <laughs> she gave me some waiting to exhale vibes she gave she gave me some um uh unique vibes <laughs> come on like i feel like janie would be a better crook than unique like she's more problem i don't know maybe more authentic about it um <laughs> so as we stated at top we read their eyes are watching god by zero neil hurston I think it's safe to say probably her most well-known work. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a Hurston scholar. Um, the book, wasn't it? It was, she wrote it. It was released. It wasn't 
very well received on Ponet's initial publication. She kind of died kind of not very well known. And Alice Walker in the 60s sort of discovered her and brought her to, you know, the forefront of like, or brought her, made her, made people more aware of her work in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I, I and correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's a very well done Wikipedia page, guys. Highly recommend. So it's my understanding that she, like, she thought of herself first as like um, an anthropologist. And she kind of wanted to collect, like, the and record the lives of, like, how Black people were living, like, uh, I was going to say today, but, like, at the time, like, at her, <laughs> contemporary. her contemporary. Um, and so she got a grant from um, the, what was it, Public Works, you know, that big, like, uh, last time we had, like, social programs and mm-hmm. infrastructure building. <laughs> A piece of that was um, giving money to artists and um, like historians and stuff to actually go out and um, weirdly paint murals at banks. Like if you've seen like those big ass murals in banks, those usually came from there or um, write stories or collect music. So she got money to do that. And I believe that that's how Of Mules and Men and um, this book came about. And for her, it was important to con- like uh, capture the way people are actually speaking and actually living but that was kind of at odds with some other um, of her contemporary authors because they were like well you should be more lifting up the race and not mm-hmm. talking about like this mess because this book is a mess and um, you know all the like ebonics and all that stuff um, certain of her peers didn't like that mm-hmm. um, and I think because of that she wasn't like as lauded in her life. Exactly, yeah. And you sort of touched on this. I think she was also a trained anthropologist. Mm. So, and I think that's also... Maybe that's the word I was thinking, <laughs> trying to think of. <laughs> so, yeah, so she she actually studied, I think, under... I learned this when I learned... Uh, I learned this when I read Barracoon. She actually studied under, like, the man who was considered the grandfather of anthropology. Mm. Um, let me, you know what, let me check and make sure I'm not looking a fool, but, uh, (laughs) so yes, I am so happy. Yes, that is true. Franz Boss, I'm, you know me, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. Franz, Franz Boss, B-O-A-S, and it says on his Wikipedia page, among his most significant students were a whole bunch of people, including Zora Neale Hurston. So yes, so that's pretty cool. So she was very, very into telling the story the authentic story of how African Americans lived and talked and related to each other. Right. When I was a kid, like I really loved this book. And that was like my like romantic ideal of like being an author. Just like getting paid, <laughs> like going somewhere and then like, you know, writing like so authentically and writing like in such a real way. I this has just always been one of my favorite books. Yes. Well, so that leads me to ask, how long had it been since you read since you first read like this book between and then reading it for this recording honestly i probably hadn't read it since college okay yeah yeah so i think for me it's been maybe six years i know i read it i got back into reading like like i do now Uh like in 2014 2013 2013 2014 and i think one of the first books i did was this one oh okay yeah and i i'm sure i read it in high school but like (laughs) I don't remember high school, so. Yeah. That was 15 years ago, I realized. Yay. 
<laughs> Yay. Off topic, I am working with some of the young engineers in our um, school, uh, in Nesby. I said shout out to Nesby. Shout out to Nesby. Um, National Society of Black Engineers, if you didn't know. And for some reason, like, we had their birth dates, and I was looking at the years, and, like, the they eldest was that, born in 96, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the youngest was born 2001. Ooh. And I was like, oh, it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> I'm, old. I'm old, and I didn't even notice what had happened, so. Right. My shoulder creaked the other day. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> So, okay, we are really, this is going to be a silly one. It's fine. This is. Uh, we never, the book was published in 1937. It's considered a classic. We all know about it. There was a movie with Halle Berry. Halle Berry, I think. I've never seen it though. I haven't either. And I was like, you know what? We might have to do some bonus content where we just watch mm. it and then discuss it because I, I like need to that. see. I need to see what Holly's doing. And I want to see the actor play a tea cake. Like I want to. Oh, right. I want to see all this stuff. So we're going to get into our discussion, but as always, a synopsis. I'm not going to say spoiler alert because this book is older than all of y'all, so <laughs> just saying. Um, we know what it's about. Janie Crawford is a young girl growing up in Florida under the care of her grandmother, Nanny. All Nanny wants is for Janie to grow up and get her education and constantly worries that Janie will follow in her mother's tragic footsteps. When she witnesses Janie kissing a boy, she decides Janie has become a woman and marries her off to a local farmer, Logan Killix. I just want to say that is... Perhaps a bit premature, Grandma Nanny, but we'll get into that. <laughs> I, I have thoughts. I will I have get into thoughts about that. Nanny. Um, Janie is unhappy with her marriage as it lacks the love she believes she's supposed to feel for her husband. Or the love she wants, I should say, in, in place of that. Rather than a wife and lover, Logan treats her like a farmhand, expecting her to put in work on the property. Both Logan and Nanny call Janie spoiled when she expresses her wishes for love. Janie eventually runs away from Logan after meeting the charismatic and ambitious Jody Starks. Jody lures Janie away with stories of an all-black town where they can grow and prosper. In fact, once they arrive, Jody declares himself mayor of the town, purchases 200 acres of land, and starts construction on a post office and general store. They remain married for 20 years, but it's not a happy, it's not a happy one. Not a happy marriage. Jody beats Janie down, at first psychologically and eventually physically. He prevents her from taking part in the town's social activities, forbids her to show her hair, and constantly tells her she's too ignorant to run the store on her own. As the years pass, Jody eventually falls ill with kidney disease, and he dies. Left alone to manage the town store, she meets Tea Cake, a genial, if shiftless young man that's at least 15 years her junior. She eventually runs off with Tea Cake to live in the muck in the Everglades. They have a mostly happy marriage, marked with music, food, and a whole lot of gambling. When a hurricane comes to the glade, Janie and Tea Cake are forced to run for their lives. During the flooding, Tea Cake is bitten by a mad dog and soon falls ill with rabies. In his madness, he accuses Janie of infidelity, and Janie has to shoot Tea Cake in self-defense, murdering the love of her life. Woo, chow. Yeah, there's a lot. There's so much. Where do we want to start? I guess let's start with Janie. Yeah, can I say before we get into the plot uh that this, like out of the classic books that we've read, this felt the most modern to me, and... The, the structure of it reminded me so much of the urban lit books that we've read. <laughs> like, it just, it seemed like a thoroughly modern book. It's very timeless. Like, it, like, yeah. And I couldn't figure out when it takes place. I'm like, it could have it could taken place right in the early 1920s. It could have taken place mm-hmm. in the 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. 
And it could take if they, if they replace the porch talking with black Twitter, like it could take a place now. Yeah, it's it's got a very timeless feel to it. Yeah, but and it's I, like Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well I was gonna say I think part of that is because she decided to write in dialect and she decided to use that kind of loose and real it's not slang. She doesn't use a lot of slang, which would date it. It's just mm-hmm. the way a certain segment of the nation talks. And it feels it's just got that real country sound. It sure it. does. And I wanna be up front, we may try to imitate it. And while I am sorta of country, I am not the true country I think you get by living in Southern Florida. Right. So apologies in advance. But yeah. Um, but yeah, but it did it really did remind me of the structure of the urban lip books. Like young girl, problems with her mother, mm-hmm. the men she meets, having to fend for herself, and basically like a life defined by her relationship with other people, specifically men. Yes. And like the whole time I was reading it, I was like, damn, just thinking about like how Hurston was kind of treated as an author back in the day. I, I don't know. It's like people talk about genre today and it's like, oh, it's trashy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like this could show like it shows you like this is, you know, it's a classic, like it's an enduring classic. And yes, it has this um, extremely like common structure that. It, it, girl, it just really, really reminded me of oh, Hold You Down. It just really reminded me of that. It really reminded me of uh, Addicted, where she talks about the succotash and what she did as a kid for like 500 pages. I, and it's just like, wow, like, I, I don't know if you would call her like a pioneer of like this type of genre of writing, but I think that a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of our urban lit writers can look to you know maybe they they should look back to Zora Neale Hurston and say yeah I mean you're not wrong you're not wrong (laughs) it just feels so authentic it focuses on some of the hardships it's this woman you know trying to make her way through her relationships with you know with a lot of obstacles in her way like I feel it can I share this quote from that really great Wikipedia page Uh Richard Wright who we know wrote um oh what was it bigger native son Native son, thank you. I could only remember bigger and uh, I could not remember. So this is what he had to say about um, their eyes were watching God. Miss mm-hmm. Hurston seems to have no desire whatsoever to move in the direction of serious fiction. She can write, but her prose is cloaked in that facile sensuality that has dogged Negro expression since the days of Phyllis Wheatley. Her characters eat and laugh and cry and work and kill. They swing like a pendulum, eternally in that safe and narrow orbit in which America likes to see the Negro live, between laughter and tears. And I was like, ooh, that's harsh. That's, that's harsh, harsh, but Mr. it's like, Wright. is that a bad thing? To write the way, like, people live, like, to write about what they sing and what they eat and what they laugh about, like... According to him, it is. It's not serious fiction. Oh, serious fiction, Mr. Native Son, okay. Literature with a capital L. That's what this is. (laughs) So it's just, I don't know, it just really, like, tickled me to see that those same criticisms, like, what we see of romance, what we see of, like, genre, what we consider, like, kind of trashy books are applied to this novel, which I think is arguably one of the best, like, uh, American novels of all time. But she still had to face those same, like, kind of dumb criticisms. Yes. And it makes sense because, like, there are a lot of books who have that same, like, uh, criticism leveled at them. And the only Mm -hmm. reason they're excused today is because they're old. 
Like right. Shakespeare. Shakespeare was written for like to entertain the masses. Right. He was Dickens. making up words. People yeah. were showing their butts. Yeah. <laughs> Dickens wrote serials for the paper that were just like to entertain people. But like he's right. it's like it's just because they're old. That's the only reason some of these things they're old and they're written by white people. Right. Interesting that he criticizes Zora Neale Hurston and Phyllis Wheatley, though. I know. The, and yeah, Phyllis, why'd you have to bring, like, the only other black like, woman hmm, author? Hmm, hmm. Hmm. You know, I know a bunch of people have asked us to read um, Nella Larson. Uh-huh. And that she might be good to, like, compare to this, too. That would be... I would like to do more of, like, the black classics. Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe down the line. But yes. that's that's just what I wanted to say, like... Zora Neale Hurston, grandmother of the urban, urban lit genre. That's what I was trying to say. I need I need more coffee, but that's what I was getting at. We're declaring it. We are giving her that title. So our main character, who we follow for all of the book, is Janie Crawford. Mm-hmm. Janie is the daughter of Leafy. Leafy. Yes. And Which Leafy, is a silly name for a tragic story. Yeah, she has a really sad story. Leafy was, if I recall, she was at school when the teacher raped her. She ended up yeah. pregnant. She had Janie. And I guess just traumatized by her experience, she turned to drinking and gambling. And I don't know if they say she died or if she just sort of disappeared. I think she just disappeared because there's like, there's a scene like way later in the book where I think after, um, uh, uh, Jody dies where Janie's like maybe I should go back and find my mom oh that's like, right nah mm-hmm. or was it Nanny well yeah I think she says right. she's gonna go back and sweep Nanny's grave or something <laughs> and then she's like nah fuck that old woman she does okay we can get to that when we get to it but she does she has a lot of hostility for Nanny that seems to she does. come out of nowhere I but I get it cause it's like so Nanny it's interesting like to compare like these three women's three women. mm-hmm. uh, journeys. So Nanny was born into slavery. She was being raped by um, one of the slave owners. And she, like the mistress or whatever you would call it, the white woman of the house, came, looked at the baby and said, why is that baby like got blonde hair or something? And she was like, as soon as uh, the baby's weaned, I'm going to sell her off from you. Like, you know, I'm going to separate the two of you. Yeah, I do like Nanny's response when the mistress comes. She's like, well, I'm just a slave. I just do what I'm told. So you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> right? Like, that's what I was... There's so much humor. And it's, like, a humor, like, specific to Black people in this. Mm-hmm. Like, just that kind of subversive, like, I don't know. You say I don't know anything, so I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So she takes the baby and she runs and she, like, ties her up in, like, some leaves and puts her in a tree until she sees, like, uh, Union uh, soldiers coming to, I don't know, like, I don't know what you would call it, but... To liberate. Um, liberate. See, that's the word I was struggling with. I was like, <laughs> I want to say liberate, knowing everything that was going on. <laughs> I want to put that in air quotes when they were coming to, like, liberate the South. Um, and so it's, like, her idea of, like, safety and what a woman can have in her life is gonna fundamentally be different than what Janie wants. So I don't mm-hmm. think, like, Janie, like you said, has a lot of hostility toward her grandmother. But it's like, when you think about her grandma's frame of reference, like, that's a horrible thing that she went through. And just to have Janie be safe and know that she doesn't have to go through this, 
her response like, well, you don't really need love is more understandable. Yes. She's like, you got a home, you got a man who will feed you and take care of you, protect you. She calls her kind of spoiled and silly for wanting love. But I do also think that Nanny jumps the gun a bit. Oh, Nanny jumps the gun. (laughs) So Janie's growing up. Before we, she has this, so this is all together. She has the scene, which we call like the bumblebee scene, which Mm -hmm. is probably my favorite scene in all of literature. My too. Like, I just love this scene so much. Rereading it though, it's like kind of graphic. It is. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, this was probably like titillation. Like Richard Wright was probably reading this. He was like, I don't like it. It's making me feel things. <laughs> like the word, the word creamed is used about this tree. And I was like, I don't know. Um, Janie is like, like her grandchildren, um, Zoe from <laughs> Addicted, sitting next to an object and becoming aroused. <laughs> So he was looking at the mural. JD was sitting under this flowering peach tree when they had their sexual awakenings. It was wild. I'm going to see. Okay, I'm going to read a paragraph if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. She was stretched on her back beneath the pear tree, soaking in the alto chant of the visiting bees, the gold of the sun, and the panting breath of the breeze when the inaudible voice of it all came to her. She saw a dust-bearing bee sink into the sanctum of a bloom and the thousand sister calyxes arched to meet the love embrace and the ecstatic shiver of the tree from root to tiniest branch, creaming in every blossom and frothing with delight. So this was a marriage. She had been summoned to behold a revelation. Then Janie felt a pain, remorseless, sweet. Then, Then Janie felt a pain, remorseless, sweet that left her limp and languid. And I was like, this is this is like the mural seed, right? Yep, yep. So, I but mean, it's, it's still beautifully written. It's beautifully written, and it's like it was like, whoa! <laughs> I remember reading that in high school. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> well, I don't know. The first time I read it, I think I was just kind of taken away by like how pretty it was written. And yeah, I was like, it was like you. I was like, oh, this is writing. And then I reread it again for this podcast You're when like, I've since damn, gotten more jaded and like <laughs> gross and just ruder. And I'm like, she's getting horny watching this tree. She's getting horny watching a tree. I'm telling you, this is this is urban lit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is Zoe looking at the mural and getting turned on. It's just something because. Then she catches the eye because she talks about how like she didn't notice this boy before, but then she Uh sees him again and she notices like the broadness of his shoulders and the narrowness of his waist. And so she kisses him over the fence and Nanny sees Nanny loses her shit. She's like, nah, not here. Nah, not in my black ass household. (laughs) She's like, well, I guess you're a woman now. You kiss that boy. She's like, you get married tomorrow. I would have done it this afternoon, but we got to find the man first. Right. Doesn't she slap her around a little too? I don't know if she slaps her. She's very, like, matter of fact about it, which I thought was kind of colder. She, like, doesn't give Janie a chance to, like, there is no room for any kind of sexual exploration in Nanny's nope. house. No. Nope. She's like, oh, Nanny's you kissed Nanny's like, a- well, I guess you're done with school. Yes. <laughs> you kissed that boy. Use an adult now. We got to marry you off. We got to marry you off. And- so... <laughs> Give the girl a, a chance. Like some know? wiggle room. And it's not like you caught her in like the the yard on the field, out on the field, laid out on a blanket. She did kiss. <laughs> she, she just, just kissed, kissed the boy, the boy. Over, the, over the fence post. But so. then he's like, nope, nope. 
Um, so she picks probably the single dullest person <laughs> in the book. He is pretty, yeah. Like, there are some great characters, especially when we get to the muck. There are, like, some really great characters with some really great <laughs> nicknames. But Logan is not one of them. No. He is, like, dull as dirt. JD says, like, what does she say? Like, he comes to bed with dirty feet. Oh. And she lays out water for him to wash them, but he doesn't, he doesn't even think he needs to. Yes, it's bad. Well, we get the impression he's quite older than her. Uh-huh. He's a farmer, and he, like, he woos her for, like, a bit at the beginning of their relationship, and then it's uh-huh. like, nah, girl, come on, you gotta chop that wood, and you need to Cut milk those cows. He's always JD's talking about, about his mule. Yeah. Yeah, JD's like, I don't, I don't need to live like this. <laughs> She's like, I know my word. JD's like, I'm young and hot. <laughs> I don't need this. She does, like, there is, like, this moment where she's, like, waiting for love. It's kind of sweet of her. She's like, okay, we're married now, so I'll love him eventually. So she does, like, wait to fall in love with her husband. And And when she realizes, yeah, that it's not going to happen, she's kind of like, okay, what next? Do they ever consummate their marriage? Because I could not tell. I don't know. I wasn't 100% sure. Like, because I couldn't tell if that was, like, her, like... That if that's what I'm waiting for love meant, I could not mm. figure it out. I, I mean, got, it could have been, yeah. I'd have to go back and, like, look at the oh. passages and stuff. Like. Really critically study it. But I like, I just like the fact that neither one of us are sure. Right? Maybe that tells you, like, about Logan. It's like, he's so easy to forget. Like, he's, you know, a, maybe even, like, the sex was, like, completely un... Uh, inspiring, too. Because <laughs> she does it, um... Zora Neale Hurston does a, a kind of similar move, I think, with uh, the jump forward in time that we'll get to, but it's like in like a paragraph, like twenty years past. Yes, mm-hmm. with and Jody. I think yeah, with Jody, I think that's saying like nothing happened in her life, like nothing worth mentioning was going on in those twenty years. So maybe it's like with this, it's like did they have sex? Did they not? Does it even matter? It wasn't good. She wasn't satisfied. <laughs> Didn't leave much of an impression. Didn't leave much of an impression. He does have that, like, I felt embarrassed reading it, like, kind of breakdown at the end of his sort of scene. Where he's like, I'm gonna try and read the dialect. Please be gentle with me. I'm too honest and hardworking for anybody in your family. That's the reason you don't want me. The last sentence was a half a sob, half a cry. I guess a blowlife nigga is grinning your face and lying to you. God damn your hide. And it's like... Oh. Yeah, it was sad. It was Because he, like... (laughs) But he just... I don't know. He wasn't the right person for He was so Mm -hmm. old and boring. And, like, his whole big thing was he was going to go buy a mule that was so gentle even a woman could drive. Yes! Yeah. There was a lot of mules in this. And I guess I missed... Again, I missed it the first time I read it. There were a lot of mules in this story. Well, this is the book that said that the black woman is the mule of the world. Mule of the world, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. He goes off to buy this mule. <laughs> and Janie goes off with Jody. Yes! <laughs> she immediately, he leaves. And she immediately leaves after him and walks away from him forever. I don't think she ever thinks about him again. She does not, he, she does not think about that man. Mm-mm. Jody shows up talking about his all black town speaking his fat like I don't know why I picture him as a city slicker like he's a little bit more slick than everybody else but I do 
Yeah, he shows I think she up. gets that impression because he's like dressed a little bit better. His, yeah, like, hats at an angle. <laughs> I just picture a zoot suit, even though I'm yeah. sure that's not what he was wearing. Maybe one of those big like suits that come all the way up with the big pants and the suspenders. <laughs> but he's flashing, he's talking, he's like, I'm going down to this all black town called Eatonville. We're gonna make something of ourselves. And she's like, Ooh, yeah, that's she's sounds into great. it. Yeah. And she's like, Yep, she gets in the car with them and when they get off the train or whatever, I was floored the first time I read this. I was like, Is that legal? Because <laughs> she just she just walked away. Like, she was like, what is, like, imagine what Logan thought when he got home with that second mule. <laughs> she wasn't there. Oh, I also cut, you know how the pictures when they wanted to condemn, or the Simpsons when they wanted to condemn their house and they just nailed, <laughs> she just wrote divorce on a piece of paper and left. Just left. She's like, and that's that. And that's that. She just, she literally just walks away from him and is never mentioned again. Yes. That's, she goes, that's the sad end to Logan's <laughs> chapter. And the wild beginning to Jody, because Jody yeah. is, like, I remember we called TK a mess, but Jody is. Jody is a tr- mess. True mess. He's the fuckboy of this book. He's not quite a fuckboy. I would still say Tea Cake is a fuckboy. <laughs> Jody is like a mix between, like, Almost, like almost a hotep. Like he doesn't <laughs> he have like the pan right. af- Africanism. You're right. But he definitely is like my woman sits up on like a throne. She's a trophy. She's a trophy. And I'm like this high roller. She's like the guy who's like, uh, would you rather have a million dollars or a 30 minute dinner with Jay-Z? I would take the, the, uh, so 30 minutes with Jay-Z because I would ask him the questions to figure out how to become a millionaire like him and I would have multi-millions and you would just be over there with your one that you would probably spend get like that's the kind <laughs> that's the aesthetic the aesthetic the kind of negro that Jody is because he does yeah because he walks right into this town they're all I get the impression they're all just like kind of chilling hanging like they out literally and this negro shows up and he's like we gotta build a post office. He like finds two people sitting, like literally sitting under a tree, like lounging <laughs> under a tree. <laughs> and he's like, you two shipless Negroes, get up. I'm gonna start building. And they're like, the fuck is this? <laughs> he declares himself mayor right then and there. He's like, who's the mayor? And they're like, I don't know. And he's like, I guess it's me. And I'm we, the we post office. We can't put this to no master. vote. <laughs> we can't put this to no vote. No, he, he like kicks in the door and he just is running the town from there. Oh, he sure is. So he get, yeah, he gets the bear. He buys 200 acres of land, which I guess, you know, expands the town. They build the store. They build the post office. I do like the little argument with the black people. Like, they ain't gonna let no Negro open a post office. <laughs> He's like, you crazy. And it's just, yeah, he kind of takes over and he positions himself and Janie as sort of like the, the, the big heads in town. Yeah. Like she's, you know, the, the mayor's wife, like he doesn't want her, uh, he catches someone like kind of touching the ends of her hair. So he makes her wrap her hair up for 20 years. That's terrible. But it's, it's just like, there are all these little vignettes that are just hilarious. And I want to, I want to get to one that was probably my favorite. Okay. Which was the yellow mule. Like the story of the yellow mule in the town. That was such a wild adventure because it takes up a good, like, what, 15% of the book. <laughs> right. 
And it's just this wild story. It's like, and it's like, I get it. It's like symbolism for like the black man and black woman and their struggles and they got to do all this and all that. But it like Loki, it's just a hilarious story. It's like there's this mean old ass mule <laughs> that this guy has. He's like, what's the guy's name who has the mule? Matt. I don't remember his last name. His He's Matt something. And he's got the mule, but the mule is stubborn, but it just really hates him. It really hates him because he like, he's, he doesn't feed it enough, it seems like, and it's just like old and he wants it to work, but it doesn't want to work anymore. So he beats it. So everybody like rags on him for this mule all the time, like saying like, uh, what do they say? Like the women. They wash their laundry on its ribs. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I saw your mule down by the river. And the guy's like, you did? He's like, yeah, the women were using his ribs as a washboard. And the guy's like, they shouldn't be doing that. And then it's like, wind blows through his ears. He's like, oh, you're making fun of me. <laughs> and uh, then like, they, Jody, at the prompting of Janie, buys the mule and sort of uh-huh. sets it free. And it becomes this town mule <laughs> that just hangs out. Yeah, and it like gets into they have like all these stories about how it like walked into somebody's house and ate all the food <laughs> or like was just like laying out in the sun and then like when it dies eventually they say they find it with its um legs up because they say it like fought. <laughs> it fought that stubborn. It was that stubborn. So then they have like this big um dragging out they call it where they drag the carcass out of town. Like, to the edge of town, and, like, all the buzzards come and eat it, and everyone goes. And Janie's, like, it's, like, the, the, uh... Social event of the season. <laughs> yeah. And Jody's like, oh, Jody's like, you can't go to that. Like, a dragging out. That's no place for um, a woman of your stature. And it's, like, over and over again. Like, she's not allowed to sit on the porch and talk about, make jokes about the mule, She's not allowed to, like, make up tall tales about the mule. She's not allowed to go see the mule get eaten by crows. The mule funeral. The mule funeral. But he goes to all these things. He, like, (laughs) presides over this uh, mule uh, funeral. But it's just, he, like, like you said, he treats her like a trophy, but doesn't really let her live. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, she kind of explains the way he kind of lords over the other people in the town and it's like uh i don't know he buys her a little lady sized spitting pot which was so gross i <laughs> this whole spit culture the u.s had for a while was disgusting <laughs> it took the spanish flu for us to be like maybe let's stop that maybe shit let's stop spitting but like people are like you know so impressed by every little thing and it's like he's building this life up um and she has, like, this interesting idea. She's like, well, is it because um, he's really imposing or because the people are letting him do it? And it's, like, this back and forth about, like, you know, who has the power in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Jody. I don't know. Jody was just, oh, he irked me. <laughs> Out of everyone, he irked me the most. Yeah, he is. He does also eventually become physically abusive because, mm-hmm. like, later in their marriage, it starts with, like, he slaps her eventually they fall out she doesn't let him sleep in the same bed as or he moves out or so i can't remember exactly it's like so he so the they go the 20 years where you know they're running the store Mm -hmm. he's really not letting her do literally anything so it seems like her life is just 
Yeah, like clerking at the store, which he also thinks she's too dumb to do, like actually run. Um, and then one day he he's like getting older and they're talking about how he's sagging and like his, you know, fat. <gasps> That's like, it. Yeah, yes. like he used to have this big belly that would stick out and intimidate everybody. But now it's kind of like sagging down to his knees. And he notices that she is like older. She's in her 30s, but she's nowhere near as old as he is. Yeah, he wants to bring her down to his level. Yep. And so he's like, you know, talking shit about her constantly. And one day she says something back to him, like, you know, basically like she sees through what he's doing. And that's when he slaps her like in front of everybody for it. Because it's something that's really embarrassing and she says it in front of the other men. Yeah. Which I think if she had said it in private, it would have been bad too but she said it in front of those other men and like hurt his pride because that's what jody starks is all about yes pride absolutely (gasps) oh i found it oh i'm gonna have to do the dialect aren't i (laughs) no i ain't no young gal no more but then i ain't no old woman neither i reckon i looks my age too but i'm but I'm a woman, every inch of me, and I know it. That's a whole lot more you can say. You big bellies around here, and you put out a lot of brag, but taint nothing to it but your big voice. Hmm, talking about me looking old. When you pull down your britches, you you look like the change of life. <laughs> and then Sam Watson, great God from Zion, Sam Watson gasped. Y'all really playing the dozens tonight. <laughs> And that's what did it. It's just, then Joe Starks realized all the meanings and his vanity bled like a flood. Janie had robbed him of his illusion of irresistible maleness that all men cherish, which was terrible. The thing that Sal's daughter had done to David. But Janie had done it worse. She had cast down his empty armor before men and they had laughed, would keep on laughing. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, he can't abide by it anymore. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, Jody. Jody's interesting when you compare him to Tea Cake. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's jumping the gun a bit, but it's like, you see why she found Tea Cake so, I guess, I don't want to say irresistible. (laughs) But yes, so appealing because he was almost everything Jody wasn't. He was younger. He didn't mind her age. He wanted her with him everywhere, even down in the muck of, you know, the Everglades. Right. He taught her to play checkers. He taught her how to shoot. He let her do things. So, like, yeah. you could see was... why she would be attracted to that. Absolutely. To wrap up uh, Jody's story, I do want to say one thing about Jody. I love that everyone had, like, wild n- nicknames in this book because that felt the most true to life to you. Yes. Like just black people and nicknames because Jody's name is Joe. Yes. Well, there's a guy Why at my she job. Him Jody. It must be a thing. There's a guy at my job whose name is Joseph, and everyone uh, calls him Jody. I'm like, I was like is, where did that come from? Where did the D come from? Where'd you get that D? Right. Like that confused me. <laughs> but uh, we got to talk about also how Jody dies because yes. Jody goes out mad. Yes, so Jody starts, he starts sagging even more. And she's just talking about, like, just his fat, like, dripping down. He's looking all sallow and stuff. I was just going to say, she says this line about how his muscle turns to fat and then his fat melted off him. So he's just, like, It's just so visceral. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was a good line. And so he's getting, like, more and more paranoid. And this is when he moves into a different um, bedroom in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. And he stops eating her food. He stops yes. talking to her. And the implication is kind of that she's poisoning him. Yes. She gets really offended by this, as anyone right. would. 
And all the hate nest people in the town would like go and see him and they'd be like, uh, you know, she'd ask, can I go in there? How is he? And they'd kind of treat her like she was, you know, this uh, poisoner, like she was do so evil and how dare she when he treated her so well. And it's like, um, I think it's Phoebe later. She's talking about how it's like jealousy coming out because from the outside, like Janie is like put up on this pedestal. Mm hmm. And she's, like, you know, treated so much better than everybody else, and she doesn't have to work. But the reality is, like, she doesn't even get to live. So everyone sees, like, she has this really plush life. Um, and if she doesn't appreciate it, um, then she's, like, this evil bitch for not appreciating all the hard work Jody did. Um, so <laughs> eventually... <laughs> And this is probably one of my other favorite scenes. She goes into the his bedroom and she sees him. She says she sees him lying on the bed and his uh, stomach is like some animal, like pitiful animal that like curled up beside him to die or something. Yeah. It's just like so, just the descriptions of this book are like so, uh, just Ooh, like visceral. Visceral. Yeah. Yeah. They um, paint a picture. They absolutely paint a picture and they're not... What would you call it? Like anything like you really hear. They're not um, cl cliched. Like I've never heard any of these expressions anywhere else, <laughs> but you immediately know what she's talking about. Um, so they have a back and forth and she tells him like, you know, you never really let me live. You treated me this way, that way. Um, and he, like you said, dies mad. <laughs> um, and he still is... Uh, super pissed off and she tells him like you said he had the kidney disease and if he had gotten a doctor earlier instead of like the root <laughs> man like, the root man um that he would have lived um but he even she says something like even in death like he can't hear her um you know so he dies with him. so he dies and she like goes to the mirror and she like looks at her hair and she looks at her face and then she, like, has this moment where she's like, well, that's over. And then she opens up her window and yells out, like, my husband is dead. My husband <laughs> left me and, like, plays up. But I love that that beat where she, like, stops and looks at herself. And she's like, whoo, girl. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. He did. She does, like, it's so many times with Phoebe. So after Jody dies, she's, like, expected to observe some, like, period of mourning. And she does. But after a while, she sort of gets annoyed by it. She's like... Mourning shouldn't last long longer than grieving. Which is such a great line. Yes. She's like, she don't, she don't feel bad. She's, she's fine. She don't feel yeah, good. She likes she being alone. She don't feel bad about Jody mm -mm. being dead. Because mm -mm. now she's got that store. She is like really enjoying her independence. Yeah. She's um, got that store. She can wear her hair however she wants. She can sit on the porch. But she does but have all these men folk. Right. Just coming around. Just coming around, sniffing around her. She and she has a young guy who's working in her store, like Jody 2.0. I really wish he had been developed more because he had the potential to be hilarious. He did. And she like is laughing at him. She doesn't find him all that offensive, but it it, it is funny. But it's like all these men try to say, like, uh, oh, you know, this isn't really a place for you without in the world without a man. Like you mm -hmm. need somebody to kind of set you straight. Mm -hmm. And there's like this undertaker <laughs> that they keep pushing on her. It's just, just kind of like, no, I don't really, I don't really feel like it. Because 
honestly, the last thing Janie needs right now is a man. She's got a house. Mm -hmm. She's got income. Mm -hmm. She's doing all right for herself. Yeah, but she can tell she's still, she still seems like she's waiting on something. Like she still isn't quite living her fullest life. And this is why I say she's a little bit more like unique than I think we want to admit. (laughs) Because she still is like, well, like she doesn't really take that leap until tea cake kind of comes into her life. He shows up because there was a big party and he got the location wrong. He got the location wrong. And he's like, well, and he just shows up and he's very, you know, cool about it. Yeah, I got the wrong address, I guess. Well, T-Cake is so bold. (laughs) Bold. Yeah, he shows up bold as brass. He got lost. I think he he does say, like, it's time for a Coca-Cola. They have a cool soda. And he teaches her how to play checkers. Yeah, and and he's, like, pretending to play the guitar. Like, he's very corny, but he's just bold as hell. (laughs) He's got the confidence to carry it off. He absolutely is confident. Um, And he just, like, hangs out. Like, he takes her... It's kind of cute. Like, he takes her fishing in the middle of the night. Yes. <laughs> He's I'm like, like be oh. careful, Janie girl. Right. She has that thought too, doesn't she? <laughs> and I think Phoebe does too. I think she says something like, uh, or maybe it's Hezekiah, the uh, Jody 2.0. They call him <laughs> that long-legged tea cake. <laughs> doodly squat. Yeah, they're all like, he just wants you for your money, girl. Yeah, and Janie's kind of like, well, everyone does. <laughs> so she might as well have fun with it. This shiftless um, Negro. He is shiftless. I, I was writing the outline, and I was telling Molly, I was like, Molly, I described him as a genial if shiftless, and she's like, he is the textbook definition. You can't he get a better up. example than shift, of shiftless than him. Right, um... He keeps saying that he loves her. She keeps saying, like, no, you don't really feel that way about me. Like, she'll say, like, it's just, um, you know, you talking, like, in the night, implying, like, oh, you know, you're just horny or whatever. Right. And so yeah. then, <laughs> like, I like, I love to see where, like, he stays away the next day. Like, you know, the whole next night he doesn't come by. And she's all sad that he shows up, like, super early in the morning. And he says, yeah. hello, Miss JD. I hope I woke you up. <laughs> Yeah, she was like, what? And he's like, these are my daytime thoughts. I still love you. <laughs> I like that whole like interplay where he's like, she's like, yeah, these are your nighttime thoughts. Will you have them in the morning? And then he shows up right and early at her doorstep. <laughs> like, I thought I'd tell you my daytime thoughts. I'm like, that was kind of sweet. You yeah. know what? Say what you want about Tea Cake. The man is slick. He, That's what I said. He's bold. <laughs> he knows how to work. He's got the lines and he knows how to deliver them. Right. He's he's very clever. Like He's an extremely cleverly written character. Like anything that goes on, he has all these schemes. Like there's a scene where like she falls asleep and she wakes up and he's like combing her hair, like scratching the dandruff off her scalp. And she's like, where'd you get that comb, Tea Cake? And he's like, I brought it with me because I wanted to play in your hair. I w- that would be kind of weird to me. I was like, okay. They do get married and they run off and she has like, I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself because there is a thing that inspires this whole bout of anxiety. So she marries Tea Cake. She, she doesn't sell her house, but she does sell the store. Yeah. And they run off and sh- they go to Florida. And the first night, like they sleep, blah, blah, blah. She wakes up early. He's like, I'm going to go out and buy you some fish. Yeah, fish to, make to fry for breakfast. Fish to fry for breakfast. She's like, okay, cool. So she gets up and she's walking around. And she's waiting for tea cake. Tea cake don't show up. It's damn near lunch. 
tea cake still can't be seen. So she goes back up to the room and she starts cleaning up to keep herself busy. And she notices that the $200 that she had on her is missing. And you know what? I am looking up an inflation calculator right now. Because that's got to be, that's got to be a spot of money. That's I want to know. That's got to be a good bit of money. I want to know how much $200 is at the time this book take place. Okay, first of all, when did this book take place? 37 is when it came out. 1928. So that's when it takes. That'd be a couple takes, grand. Yeah, that's when it takes place. So I am. Uh, so that is equivalent to three thousand and thirty-two dollars and ninety-four cents. Yeah. So she had a nice chunk of change. She had a nice chunk of change sewn into her clothes because of the story of the other woman who went off and you know, with the young man and then lost all her money. And Phoebe says, "Please just take some money." Well. First night after they're married and he's gone and she's sitting around. And this is where Janie, again, takes a turn for the urban lit heroine. Because she just kind of sits there like, what do I do now? Yeah, because she's remembering that story. So basically the story is the old lady. She was widowed. She was set up when this young fly brother flies, <laughs> flows into town, woos her, gets her to sell the house, gets her to run off with him. She He takes her to this shack, steals her money, and she is left broke Just begging alone. on the street. Yeah, she's begging on the street. She only gets home because someone from her hometown recognizes her. She lies, say her money got stolen. He pays for her to, to get back home. And that's the only thing that's saving her from the streets <laughs> of wherever that young bro took her. Right. And then, like, later, because uh, she has nothing... They call his, her daughter, and her daughter comes to take her away, basically, to die. Yes. <laughs> and so Janie's sitting up in their room, like, thinking about, <laughs> about all this, when who should stroll back in the door? <laughs> cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. And this is when you realize tea cake, this is why tea cake is the fuck boy. <laughs> so he goes in, and she's like, well, wait, tea cake, where were you? And he's like, well, I, um, He's like, I went out to get the fish to fry. And he's like, I was looking around. I saw your little uh, purse. I looked in there. I saw some money. So I took it. And then he's like, (laughs) I was walking around and I counted it. I realized it was like more money than I'd ever seen in my life. So I decided to see what it would be like to live as a rich man. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? This whole story is like, like tea cake schemes are like completely what the fuck. (laughs) It's so audacious. So he basically like buys up a bunch of food and, and liquor and liquor and throws this party and pays all the ugly women not to come. <laughs> One especially ugly woman gets paid five dollars to not, come, not to the to come in. And everyone's like drinking and partying and a guy's playing a guitar, but he can't play well. So TK buys a guitar off of him and starts playing it. And then, like, there's the guy, there's the guy who just shows up and he's eating all the chicken. And T-Kick tells him not to eat all his chicken. And he has a story that I absolutely love. And he says, um, you got more nerve than a brass monkey. Tell me what post office did you ever pee in? I craves to know. And the guy says, what do you mean by that now? Um, and T-Kick says, I means this. It takes just as much nerve to cut caper like that. In a United States government post office, as a dude to come pulling and hauling over any chicken I pay for, hit the ground. <laughs> Damn if I ain't going to try you this night. 
<laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> I like, he's like, you ain't gonna eat my fucking chicken. Right? Like, and it just, like, it reminds me so much of, like, the story, like, stories my grandma tells about, like, her and my grandpa and, like, her siblings and everything, like, in Missouri, like, back in the day. <laughs> like, they would get up to wild shit. <laughs> They would be fighting people and eating and drinking and partying and gambling. <laughs> like she has this whole story where they thought they were uh, hustling people in spades and they almost got in a fight and had to run out. <laughs> I mean, and that's maybe one of the reasons why I really like these seeds because like it has a very country feel and like I can relate to country. Yes. I may not know Southern all like I can't fully get Southern, but Midwest, the Midwest and the South do share country country yeah so this felt very this felt very country <laughs> so <laughs> some big man just comes in and eats all the chicken and then you gotta fight and then it's just all like, like tea cake is just a wild character but he's probably one of my favorites in literature because he's just just a magnet for mess <laughs> and then janie brings up the like well why didn't you come get me I like to party. I would have appreciated some chicken and some music. And I don't even remember what he says. Just like He says, I thought about it. No, he says he thought about it a few times. <laughs> and he just didn't. And he like, he does it. And so she's there by himself. And she's like, oh, shoot. I like to trust this fun just as good as you do. Ah, oh, Janie, I wanted to mighty much, but I was scared. Too scared I might lose you. Why? Dim wasn't no high muckety mucks. Dim was railroad hands and they women folks. You ain't used to folks like that, and I was scared you might get all mad and quit me for taking you amongst them. But I wanted you with me just the same. Before us got married, I made up my mind not to let you see no commonness in me. When I got met, when I get, when I get mad habits on, I'd go off and keep you out of sight. Take no motion to drag you down with me. And it's like sort of what Jody was doing before. It was like, oh, you are this type of woman. Right. You don't mingle with these. And, Jody, and Janie's like, nah, bitch. I want chicken. She's like, I want to eat chicken and party. And <laughs> the difference wanna... is, Tea Cake's like, all right, from now oh. on, you part of the mess too. <laughs> he means that shit. And so he does. He comes back with only $12. And yes. he's like, don't worry about it, boo. I'm going to make it back with the dice. Right. So he's and he throwing dice and he's practicing throwing the dice. Which like, all yo, over. Where are you practicing? <laughs> right. And it's like he kind of wants JD there to like cheer him on. <laughs> it's so wild. And so he's like, okay, this time, this is the only time. Well, you know, luck be a lady. Right. He's like, this is the only time that you can't come with me because these, these dudes are like too rough for you, too rough. So she says, okay. So the next day. <laughs> T-Kick shows up. This motherfucker's been stabbed. <laughs> That's right. Because he was so good. Because he was he so good. He made all that, that money time. and he was like, all right, I'm out. And they're like, nah, 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 bruh. <laughs> we want to win our money back. And he has this whole story about the guy stabbing him. And JD's like freaking out. He's like, it's all right. It's just blood loss. Oh, he's very manly about it. Yeah. He's like, he only got me once. You need your blood, (laughs) T-Cake. You need your blood inside your body. (laughs) That's where it belongs. That's where it belongs. But you know what? He does get her money back and like a hundred more. Yeah. So you know what? It's exactly like he said. I'm still mad at T-Cake. Like taking that money and being like, I'm going to live like a rich man. (laughs) 
But I mean, I guess he got it back. And he did tell her, he said, here's your $200 back. Put it in the bank. Yep. I'm paying for everything. He's like, we're, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're not, we're not living off any of your money. Anything you do from this point on is what I can earn. Exactly. Which I was like, oh, you know what, JD, keep 20 bucks out just in case. <laughs> just, you know. You so then they go to what's probably my favorite section of the book, um, down in the Everglades, which. <laughs> they call them muck. The muck. I feel she itchy just hearing that name. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, it's like near a river with like, I guess like super fertile soil and it's kind of like migrant workers are coming to plant beans, Mm -hmm. but the muck is getting like all over. Um, I, I just love the way that she describes it. Um, she says, uh, to Janie's strange eyes, everything in the Everglades was big and new. I cannot save the name of this lake. I don't know what it is. Oh, the Och, Ochikibi. Ochikibi, big lake Ochikibi, big beans, big cane, big weeds, o- big everything. Okichibi, yeah. Okichibi, weeds that did well to grow waist high up the state were eight and often ten feet tall down here. Ground so rich that everything went wild. Volunteer cane just taking their place. Dirt roads so rich and black that a half mile of it would have fertilized the Kansas wheat field. Wild cane on either side of the road, hiding the rest of the world. People wild too. And it's like, that's just... <laughs> that was- that was an understatement. It, it absolutely under, is an understatement because the people down on the mug are wild. And it's like, that's what Tea Cake says. He's like, we're going to go down there. I'm going to pick beans. We're going to drink. We're going to gamble. We're going to party. And that's going to be our life from now on. And Danny's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, because he does. He, he picks during the day, gambles at night. And yeah. that's, that's their profit. Yeah. Um, he does make sure to get there early enough to get a good room that has a tub. <laughs> right. Because it's like, oh, you'll be itching. You'll be itching. I know. That's why it stuck with me. I was like, oh, the mud. Yeah, just the way they describe it. Like, what do they say? Like, bugs crawling on you? They say something that's, like, real disgusting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, question. Uh This is a very short scene. It doesn't seem to play a bigger role in any part of the story. Mm -hmm. But there is this incident where Janie comes across tea cake and some woman they just keep calling the (laughs) chunky girl. (laughs) Right. I was like, damn. And she comes across them, quote unquote, struggling. Struggling. In the, 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 in the cane. And I'm like, hmm. Now, were they struggling or were they struggling? Right. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Because Janie, when it comes to tea cake, is an unreliable narrator. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, did she just not... Or, like, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. But also, I feel like Tea Cake never lied to JD. Like, he took her money. He said, yeah, I took it because I wanted to feel like a big man. Yeah. That's (laughs) why I'm like, well, he. But so here's the thing. Because earlier in the book, when they were first courting, and she was talking about, like, there's no other woman for me, blah, blah, blah. You're the only one. There's no one else who can turn my eye. And the only reason. And he says, he says something. And I'm not even going to try to find it because I know I won't. Where he says, like. The only case in which that will happen is because she'll just be too much for me to resist. I'm like, you know what, Tea Cake? That's not a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> he says something like, there's no other woman for me unless there's just like an exception. Unless there one. is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not very, not very, you know, uh, comforting. So I'm like, is this the, because he did say up front, you're like, you know, hey, I might be weak. They might catch me weak. Right. Is this what it is? Like, did he and this chunky woman have a thing and then they were walked in on by Janie? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. It's I 
it, I don't know. I love the scene, though, because it's like she starts picking beans with him because she's just sitting at home all day. And she's like, well, everyone goes to pick the beans. And then um, it's kind of like back in Edenville. Everybody's like, oh, this high class, high yellow woman is going out here to pick beans. But then they see her uh, her and TK kind of like laughing and giggling. And they're like, oh, they're just too cute together. (laughs) And then one day she sees um, that tea cake is gone and she sees the chunky woman's gone. And she she goes and sees them, like you said, struggling. And TK's excuse is like, uh, well, she took the money from, uh, or she took his payment voucher or something from mm-hmm. his pocket. So he's trying to get it back. But JD don't care because she whoops her ass anyway. And it's just, you're right. It's just like this tiny little thing. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they were cheating. It's just funny. And this poor woman's name is Nunky. Oh, yeah. Nunky. The people in the muck have the wildest nicknames. I'd rather go by the Chunky Girl if you could call me Nunky. Nunky, uh, Stew Beef, uh, Sopty Bottom, (laughs) (laughs) Motorboat, who we'll get to. (laughs) You can remember a lot of them. I I can't remember. I tell you, if I read something, it's stuck in my head forever. I remember Miss Turner. That's why I probably shouldn't do as many audiobooks. Oh, Miss Turner. (laughs) Let's get to the people down on the muck. Let's start with Miss Turner. Miss Turner ain't got time for these dusty Negroes. Miss Miss Turner ain't like these other Negroes. <laughs> what do you, what can we find the description of her? Cause it's hilarious. Mrs. Turner was a milky sort of woman that belonged to childbed. Her shoulders rounded a little, and she must have been conscious of her pelvis because it kept she kept it stuck out in front of her so she could always see it. T-Cake made a lot of fun about Miss Turner's shape behind her back. He claimed that she had been shaped up by a cow kicking her from behind. She was an ironing board with things thrown at it. Then that same cow took and stepped in her mouth when she was a baby and left it wide and flat with her chin and nose almost meeting. That's rude, T-Cake. Can I say the descriptions in this book, again, are wild. (laughs) Oh, you get it. You get it. Look. A cow stepped in her mouth when she was a baby. (laughs) And that's a certain image that no other description can... You can't get that description any other way. Right. So, Miss Turner... Miss Turner's um, a bit color-struck. A bit. (laughs) She and her husband own, like, they call it the eatery. (laughs) Down on the muck. And she she keeps saying, like, she's around J.D., because Janie has, like, some mixed features. Like I yes. said, she's high yellow, I guess. And um, uh, Miss Turner gets it in her mind that they, together, are better than the rest of the black people on the muck. <laughs> she just, she says some wild shit. I don't know if you have it open anymore, but... She pulls no punches. Like, let me see. Because uh, there's a lot. Let me pick which... <laughs> Use a different... So this is Miss Turner. Use a different from me. I can't stand black niggas. <laughs> I don't blame them white folks for hating them because I can't stand them myself. Another thing, I hate to see folks like me and you mixed up with them. Us ought to class off. Us can't do it. We's a mingled people and we's got all black kin folks as well as yellow kin folks. How come you so against black? And they makes me tired. Always laughing. <laughs> they laughs too much and they laughs too loud. Always singing old nigga songs. Always cutting the monkey for white folks. If it wasn't for so many black folks, it wouldn't be no race problem. The white folks would take us with him. These black ones holding us back. You reckon? Of course, I don't never thought about it too much, but I don't figure they even gonna want us for company. We's too poor. That ain't poorness. It's the color and the features. 
Who want any old black baby lying up with a black baby buggy looking like a fly on buttermilk? Who wants to be mixed up with rusty black men and us black women going down the street all them loud colors and whooping and hollering and laughing over nothing? I don't know. Don't bring me no nigga doctor to hang over my sick bed. I done had six chillin', was lucky enough to raise but the one, and never had no nigga doctor even feel my pulse. White doctors always gets my money, and I don't go to no nigga store to buy nothing neither. Colored folks don't know nothing about no business. Deliver me. And I kind of wanted to be like, Miss Turner, you had six kids, only kept the one. Maybe try a black. I mean, your track right. record right now, maybe give a black dog. <laughs> and I love, I love the, this next paragraph too. Mrs. Turner was almost screaming in fanatical earnestness right now. <laughs> Janie was dumb and bewildered before, and she clucked sympathetically and wished she knew what to say. It's just wild. There was one where she comes for Booker T. Washington, and Janie's like, <laughs> Janie's like, oh no. Because I, I imagine it's like someone speaking out about Black History Month or Martin Luther King Jr. today. Like, <gasps> it's like, oh, girl. Like she's saying her brother like wrote something against Booker T. Washington and put him in his place. Like it's exactly just everything about like just like and again, it seemed like she seems like a modern person, like a contemporary she person does. who is she on Twitter does. saying like this these bullshit. new blacks. Like, the line where she says, uh, it was the one where you read where she says, uh, black people make me tired. (laughs) (laughs) With all their loud colors. (laughs) It's just, it's like their criticisms. You hear people on Twitter saying. You sure do. You hear maybe someone in a red baseball cap saying. (laughs) You sure do. Mm -mm. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. Miss Turner don't have time for it. She does not have time for these Negroes. So after this tirade, JD sees that Tea Cake had been in the other room of their two-room shack listening to this. And he decides that he's gonna he's gonna plan another one of his schemes. <laughs> because uh, rightfully so, and I agree with Tea Cake here, if she doesn't like black people, then she shouldn't be, you know, get, get black, black money. money. So you're going to have to help me out with this tea cake scheme because it was convoluted. (laughs) The long and the short, from what I can tell is, tea cake invited a bunch of people to Ms. Turner's house or Ms. Turner's eatery, Mm -hmm. made sure they all got drunk and (laughs) caused a ruckus and basically trashed the joint. (laughs) And then when the police came, they all ran off (laughs) and couldn't be caught. Because it's just so funny because, like, it's full of people. Everyone's, it's so full. Um, One guy, they're both eating, standing up. Um, They're drunk. They are so drunk. And um, at one point, I think because they can't sit and because they're so drunk, some food items get a little spilled. People get a little messy and people start getting mad and offended. So I don't know if it's a full on food fight. With some it liquor like gets thrown. Yes. And Tea Cake is absolutely like stoking the flames. And it's like, hilarious because he keeps saying, like, you can't do this in Miss Turner's house. Not Mrs. Turner's house. No, she is too, or her establishment, she is too fancy and too well off for us Negroes to be acting like this. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's oh, weird. and it's some guy named Kudame and Sop. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sop. And I don't know who's who, and I don't know who threw the first blow, but that's just who is involved. Oh, and uh, Stew Beef is there, too, because he says they got beef stew. 
So you know he'd be there. Again, it just boggles my mind that people could not like this book. Because it's like, you know that in your family, in your friend group, you have people with weird-ass names who just are constantly eating. <laughs> eating, laughing. It's like and they, naming themselves after whatever they love. Whatever they love. Just, it, it just is so true to life. <laughs> oh my god, so... Oh, and at some point, Miss Turner gets pushed down and, like, yeah, her hands get kind of trampled. Her. Yeah. So by the, by that time, everybody in and around the place was taking sides. Somehow or another, Miss Turner fell down and nobody knew she was down there under all the fighting and the broken dishes and crippled up tables and broken off chair legs and window panes and such things. It got so that the floor was knee deep with something no matter where you put your foot down. But TK kept right on until Kudame told him, I'm a wrong, I'm a wrong. Y'all tried to tell me right and I wouldn't listen. <laughs> I ain't bad with nobody. Just to show y'all I ain't bad, me and Steric go to buy everybody something to drink. Old man Vickers got some good coon dick. I don't want to know. Thank you. I gotta look that up because that comes up. The doctor tells TK to drink some coon dick later. I don't want Got some good coon dick over around Pohaki. Come on, everybody. Let's go get our knots charged. Everybody got in a good humor and left. And so, yes. Oh, that's so uh, funny. This, they do come back and they're like, here's five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, Miss Turner is important because she so she hates tea cake because he's too dark skinned exactly. for Janie in her opinion. And she wants Janie to get with her brother, the the academic rival Booker T. Washington. Um which comes up later. And yeah. Tea Cake, Tea Cake again, and another one of his insane fucking schemes. When the brother comes to town, he decides to slap Janie around. I, I, right? I didn't. Mm-mm. He slaps Janie to show them he's in charge? Yeah. Make and it make sense, Tea Cake. Like, <laughs> it's another line I, that I kind of low key love. Like, um, he said. Somebody comes up to him, like, in the bean field, and they're like, I bet she just cried and uh, just, like, was all quiet and everything. And Tea Cake was like, yep. And he's like, my wife, (laughs) she's got, like, 42 rows of teeth. And if you try to hit her, she'll beat you all week. That did remind me of of Harpo and Sophia. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you can see, like, I don't know, just, I, I don't know that, JD always made the right decisions <laughs> and always was she was a little she was a little um uh digmatized by um TK <laughs> and she even says and I highlighted in here like Zornia Hurston even says um she's like two steps away from saying digmatized let me see if I can find it she, she didn't have the words at the time <laughs> she didn't have the words uh, JD's talking to Mrs. Turner. Mrs. Turner's like, um, you should get with my brother. JD's like, no, I have a husband. <laughs> Mrs. Turner's like, no, uh, to get a hold of a woman like you, you got more nerve than me. I just couldn't see myself married to no black man. It's too many black folks already. We ought to lighten up the race. Oh, yeah, that was some. And JD says, no, my husband didn't have nothing but himself. He's easy to love if you mess around. If you mess around him, I loves him. And then um, Mrs. Turner says, why you, Miss Woods? I don't believe it. You just sort of hypnotized, that's all. 
And I said, she was too, like, if she had had the words, she was two seconds away from saying dickmatized here. Because <laughs> JD is dickmatized. Like, TK is so wild. And JD, like, forgives him everything. Steal the money, slapping her. <laughs> it's a wild, but you know what? She probably feels more alive. This yeah. is what she wanted. She wanted somebody who would stop treating her like some precious thing to be kept on a pedestal. Yep. She wanted somebody who let it get down in the muck with her, who would party, who would drink, who would have fun, who she would love. And I guess she got it. She a was woman so ahead of her close. time. That's the what I'm proto, saying. Proto urban lit. Like oh my God. the grandmother of urban lit. Like from now on, like all the urban lit hero- heroines are JD's granddaughters. <laughs> They're greenies <laughs> descendants. <laughs> This does sort of lead to, because the whole brother plays an important role in the end of the book with their big, big um, confrontation. Confrontation Mm -hmm. makes it over, but their big conflict at the end of the book. Before that, though, they start noticing that the the Seminoles in the area Mm -hmm. are going, are leaving town. And then following them are all like the animals and the snakes. And it's like, ooh, a hurricane is coming. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and it comes and it's very violent. It's very loud. That's where we get the title. Their eyes were watching God. Mm -hmm. They were looking at the door, but their eyes were watching God in the face of this storm. Mm -hmm. And at some point the flooding gets so bad. I'm sorry. I just came across a quote Uh in the Wikipedia page where it says that a group of young black writers, including Hurston Langston Hughes and Wallace Thurman started calling themselves the niggerati. I'm telling you, Zora Neale Hurston would have done so well on Twitter. <laughs> oh my god! I had to look up from the book, and I saw that because it was hyperlinked too. So it's it's out here in blue. Let me tell you, all these kids out here, all these um, Zoes and Uniques, all of them. You got you got Zora Neale Hurston to thank. <laughs> That is too much. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, how have I never heard of this? How have I never heard of this? Why don't they teach us when they teach this book? All three, Hughes, Hurston, and Thurman, enjoyed the shock value of referring to themselves as the Niggerati. Her Hurston's biographer, Valerie Boyd, described it as an inspired moniker that was simultaneously self-mocking and self-glorifying, and sure to shock the stuffy black bourgeoisie. <laughs> Hurston it. was actually the coiner of the name. Of there course you go. she was. Of course she was. <laughs> Hurston dubbed herself the queen of Nicarati. <laughs> <laughs> Nicarati meetings were held at Hurston's apartment with a pot on the stove into which attendees were expected to contribute ingredients for stew. She also cooked okra or fried okra eel. Mm-hmm. You don't like fried okra? I've. This has been such an education. <laughs> She seems like someone you know. You know what I mean? Like a real ass person. Everyone, we discovered the existence of the Nigarati. <laughs> and now it's my favorite thing. Right? <laughs> Break it back. I, I want to join a group and we'll just call ourselves the new Nigarati. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my God. Oh, we're going to get swag. We're doing it. We're I gonna, love it. I don't know. Hopefully, I hope her estate doesn't come after us. That's but, true. Uh, <laughs> we're going to put new in front of it to show. To show that it's different like, enough. I love exactly. it. <laughs> All right, we are back on track. The hurricane. I was literally in the middle of discussing the hurricane. Yes, so everyone is fleeing because this big bad storm is coming. I would like flee. to say 
that someone comes by with a big car yes. right before the hurricane and says, TK, can you and JD get in this car? And he's like, nah, we all right. And like, he almost talks, he almost talks young dude into staying. Right. He's like, ah, he has a great quote that I wanted uh, to put in like my Twitter bio, like, see you. And it's something like, see you back home and at, or something. Is it, uh, if I never see you no more on earth, I'll meet you in Africa. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. And as soon as you said Hotep at the beginning of the episode, I was like, she sure is right. <laughs> she sure is right. Uh, so, so yes, he comes in the car. I like he almost convinces, TK almost convinces this young boy to stay, but the man's uncle drags him by the collar, sits right. the show ass down in the car, and they drive off. So the the hurricane scenes are, whew, they're harrowing and also like wildly confusing. And I'm like, you yes. know, I've never been in a hurricane. So what my idea of what a hurricane would be like, you know, I can't I can't say that I know or that this shit wouldn't happen because I've never been in one. Exactly. The closest I can imagine, it's like, okay, a tornado, but wetter? Yeah. Like, I can tell you all about being in, like, tornadoes. <laughs> but, yeah, so. they're, like, running, running, running. And it's, like, it's JD and Tea Cake and a dude named Motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, the water keeps coming up. And it's, like, super harrowing. And, like, they're, like, going, going, going. And they keep, like, stopping to rest because they're, like, getting exhausted. Yes, they're tired. And, and again, one of the best but also, like, baffling scenes. They get to this house, and I think it's got, like, two levels or something. Uh-huh. With Motorboat. And they're like, okay, we're gonna rest here for a little bit. <laughs> and Motorboat like, has had enough. He's had enough of this hurricane. He's had enough of the running. He's like, I'm gonna stay here. And TK's, like, trying to get him. And Motorboat's like, nah, you know I need my sleep. TK, I got to have my sleep, Definitely. <laughs> Goodbye then, Moda. I wish you all the luck going over to Nasu for the visit with you when all this is over. And I feel like T Cake is just getting so frustrated. He's like, oh, sorry. I was laughing so much I pulled out my headphone jack. That's exactly what happened to me. He's like, he's like, nigga, you're gonna die. He's like, alright then, if sleep is that important to you. I do like how motorboat before he leaves, he's like, yeah, my mama's house is yours. <laughs> something somebody would say. Right. Not just his house, his mama's house. And so he's like, all right, all right then, bye. I do like, and let's just get to it now while we're here, JD does learn that motorboat <laughs> does in fact survive the flood because the waters, I guess, just pick up the whole house and float it away. Right. And he slept through it. <laughs> Like, later they come back, and he's like, uh, guess who I saw? And she's like, motorboat! She says, that's just who it is, old motor, the son of a gun, laid up in that house and slept, and the late come and moved the house way off somewhere, and motor didn't know nothing about it till he, the storm was about over. Wow. No! Yeah, wow. man. That's what I'm saying, like, I don't know what would happen in a hurricane, because I've never been in one, but... <laughs> wild. We nearly kill our fool selves, run away from danger, and him lay up there and sleep and float on off. So the storm is bad. And, and at and some point, after the waters, like, they're, they're, they've moved up to, I guess it's Palm Springs is where they were headed. Yeah. And Tea Cake is around, and he sort of gets uh, shanghai almost in Oh, a way. but before that, 
like the most baffling scene in this whole book. So it's like they're swimming, they're fighting the current, they're trying to get to Palm Springs. Um, Tea Cake is a stronger swimmer than Janie. So yes. he keeps having to prop her up. And they keep finding like slightly higher ground to like rest on. Mm-hmm. And at some point he's like, I'm just going to rest here, Janie. And she's like, okay. So she's trying to like shelter him from the rain. And um, he's asleep. He f- she finds a piece of roofing and like grabs onto it. So she's like, uh, this will be good to cover tea cake. It, their hurricane strength wins, right? Mm-hmm. Which probably blew the roof off. <laughs> so the wind picks up the roofing and she goes flying off. <laughs> Like, I had to read this a couple times because I was like, and this is like the clearest thing I remember from this book, this scene, because I'm like, what the hell? So she goes flying off. She yells, tea cake, Caesar, splits the water like an otter, I think she says. And then, um, you know, it's telling her, hold on, hold on, super heroine. Yes. <laughs> so he sees a cow with a dog on top of it. <laughs> So many questions just right there. I got, I got questions, questions, questions about this. But this this is where it's at. This is how one of probably my favorite characters in all of literature goes out. There's <laughs> we a cat. so mad about it. I, because I'm, I still struggle to understand. <laughs> so there's a cow. There's a bulldog on the cow. Tea Cake tells Janie, grab onto that cow because, you know, she's getting tired. She's not a strong swimmer. She grabs the cow's tail. The dog comes up to her. She says the dog's eyes are full of hatred. Yes. Uh, he wants to kill her dead. Like, this is an evil dog. An evil dog. And he starts snapping at her. Tea Cake jumps up on the cow's back. And he has a knife. And they struggle. Him and this dog are struggling. The dog bites Tea Cake's cheek. Because mm-hmm. he means to take the dog by surprise and kill it with one mm-hmm. blow. But he's a little tired. A little tired. <laughs> From running in the hurricane. Motorboat was right. They shouldn't have. They should have just stayed up in there with Motorboat. He stabs the dog, throws it off the cow, and they're able to, like, climb onto this cow and float away to safety. I have so many questions. Like, just this this cow. How did that dog get on that cow? How'd that dog get on that cow? Did the cow mind? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Why was the cow just floating Okay, where was the cow going? <laughs> How did that notice it had a mad dog on its back? Was JD preferable? Like, oh I, my God. questions, questions I got about this cow and this dog. <laughs> because as I reread it again, that was the scene that made me go like, like if I get a mad cow or a mad, not a mad, gosh, I get a mad dog, uh-huh. like maybe just being confused and hydrophobic acting in hurricane waters Mm -hmm. but i did not picture it hitching a ride on the back of just this cool this cow just moseying on because the cow it doesn't sound like the cow is having any trouble yeah moving through these floodwaters i think like once the dog is off its back it's like oh okay like its biggest concern was there was a heavy dog on its back and it struggles a bit when Janie grabs it. It's like, oh. But it writes itself and it just keeps on going. I was like, was that a crocodile? Oh, no. That, that is it does say that the cow the cow fears it's being eaten by a croc- by a gator. It's like the most Florida shit you've ever heard. <laughs> and it's like, anything could have happened. 
you know, to Tea Cake. Tea Cake could have been <laughs> walking down the street and the dog attacked Janie and he had to save her. Tea Cake could have, like... Drowned in the some, flood. Drowned in the flood. Tea Cake got bit By a in a knife dog. fight with a mad dog on the back of a cow in the middle of a hurricane after Janie flew off on some roofing. <laughs> when you break down the details like that. Oh, TK, God truly had it out for you because he made sure. Made sure you were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Bite to the cheek. And doesn't the... No, never mind. I'm jumping ahead of myself. We'll get there. But yeah, so they eventually get out. They they have that run in. And for some reason, neither one of them think anything of it. Yeah. It's like... He's like, well, the dog didn't get my eye, so... That's what he... (laughs) He's like, woo. We would have been in a whole heap of trouble if that dog got my eye. So uh, there are palm strings, and poor TK gets pressed into the yes, He gets Shanghai to build this, to help bury these dead people. Right. And it's like this whole thing where they have to separate the white people from the black people, and they're like, well, how can you tell? And like a committee goes away to decide, and then they come back and they're like, look at the hair, because they're only giving coffins to the white people. Mm-hmm. And TK's looking at it like it's, you know, damn foolishness. He does have a good line. They's mighty particular how these dead folks goes into judgment. Tea Cake observed to the man working next to him. Look like they didn't. God don't know nothing about the Jim Crow law. And I was like, right. that's a good line. It's that's a good, a good line. line. So uh, t- uh, and it's like Janie tells him not to go out because he's going to get shanked. <laughs> and like, it's really all of this stuff again. Like I kind of assumed it was based on, I don't know. I, I kind of always assumed she had made up the hurricane but all this, the hurricane, the the segregation of the dead bodies is based on like historical fact. Like that was the thing that I actually happened. It. It's so random. It's got to be true. Yeah. So I believe just... she heard a story where somebody floated on the floated back of a cow oh. and fought a dog in a hurricane. So he does that. And he somehow like, because he's originally probably going to be pressed for months at a time. But he like yeah. basically just runs away. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, bitch, I'm out. And he has, they have another good part where he's like, I gotta go back where the white folks know me. Because he's like, basically, white folk can know like a certain number of black people and they're good colored people. But anyone they don't know. Any other Negroes outside of that? (laughs) And he's like, we gotta get out of here and go back to the muck. So JD's like, okay, they go back to the muck and they're kind of sorting things out. I think they say like three weeks pass. They find motorboats still alive. Lias, who was with the car, is still alive. They kind of set up and they're trying to get back to their everyday lives. Yes. So Tea Cake starts getting sicker. Like, and it's interesting, like they kind of go into his head mm-hmm. and he's getting kind of like paranoid and he keeps trying to drink water. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and he's like, he doesn't quite know what's going on. He doesn't want, he wants to be around Janie for her to comfort him, but he doesn't want her to see him, um, like, struggling to drink the water, and he's, like, freaking out. Janie's like, I'm gonna go get a doctor this time. Yeah, (laughs) I learned my lesson. So she gets the most country man, Florida man doctor. (laughs) She gets, like, the, she gets a white doctor. It is a white doctor. He knows what it is, though, immediately, though. Because his symptoms are so very, very telling. Yes. I the do hydrophobia. Like, the, like, he has even more of a country accent than <laughs> the like black all, the, all the 
book, yeah. Like, he comes in, he's laughing. He's like, uh, you just drink a quarter coon dick. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> did you look up and see what it was? I did it. I am going to, though. <laughs> Bootleg moonshine. Okay, why do we gotta call it coon dick? It's just, that's all I want to know. We could have thought of a better name. I'm sure there's some long-ass countryman <laughs> story. <laughs> But it's like, okay, maybe I told this story on here before. Like, you know, people eating coon, which is also a thing they do in Missouri. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like my grandma, I remember, uh, like she used to make it and eat it back in the day. And um, she would always say, if you buy it from someone who went out and, you know, shot it or hunted it or whatever, make sure they leave the foot on. (laughs) I guess to make sure you got the right animal? To make sure you didn't get a cat. <laughs> my cat. So this is what she's always said. Side note, my dad is like, don't buy meat from people who you think might sell you a cat and tell you it's a coon. And so we used to ask her like, well, what? What do you mean by coon? Like, you mean a raccoon? And she's like, no. I mean a coon, which is like supposed to be cleaner because it lives out of the water. It's bigger. It's a country oh. thing. So one day we were driving around with her, me, my cousin, and my grandma. And she was like, we got to stop by your Aunt Bess's house and drop something off. And so me and my cousin were like, okay. So we're in the car. She says, okay, take this package and run, run it up to your aunt. I'm going to wait in the car. We're like, okay. So we take the package. Um, we're standing on the elevator, me, my cousin, and this old man, because it's the retirement home that my great aunt lives in. And we're just, you know, talking whatever. I'm holding the package. We're sitting there, going up on the elevator, kind of bumps, package uh, jostles, and uh, the coon's foot falls out. (laughs) When I tell you, we screamed at the top of our lungs. You all probably gave that old man a heart attack. You know, and I just, whenever now I hear coon anything, I'm like, "Mm." when I say I related to this book on levels. I did find that. I did find the doctors too. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah, TK, tate a tang wrong that a quarter coon dick wouldn't cure. You haven't getting your right looking lately, eh? He slapped TK lustily across the back, and TK tried to smile as he was expected to do, but it was hard. The doctor opened up his bag and went to work. You do look a little peaked, TK. You got a temperature. Your pulse is kind of off. What you been doing here lately? Yeah, he is just he's so country. country. And then I love he walks outside with uh, JD. He's like, well, he's got the rabies. He's gonna die. <laughs> He sure he knows he knows exactly what it is. As soon as he hears about that water, yeah. he's like, "Well, it was a mad dog." He's like, "It's too late to get the dog's head, so we can't be a hundred percent sure." But I'm pretty like doctoring used to be such witchcraft. But what I tell you, uh-huh. I've learned so much about the history of medicine from reading historicals and how bad it was. There was a man who 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 all he said was, "Wash your damn hands." He's like just. Wash your hands mm-hmm. when you go from one patient to the other. He was shunned. The medical <laughs> the, the medical field was like, that man is ignorant. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He got kicked out. All he said was, wash your hands, Molly. It was a wild, wild world for a really long I time. Just... Apparently he was shunned because doctors did like the idea that they were making their own patients sick by not washing their hands wow. in between like surgeries and things. So they did like the implication that they were the responsible. I feel like that's just a certain segment of the population that just is offended by the thought that they should wash their hands. 
Or like get a vaccine. Or get a vaccine. Like I saw some shit and this is before the whole current <laughs> the novel pandemic <laughs> that was that's going that we're in. But she was like, uh, oh, she was a doctor or something. She was like, I was making my rounds and I was in the bathroom and I peed and I need to be, she said, I need to be in surgery. So I walked out without <gasps> washing my hands. And she said uh, that there was another woman in the bathroom with her who like gave her a look and said, aren't you going to wash your hands? This woman, Danielle, went on Twitter trying to shame that other woman. And no. Saying, like, well, no. I had somewhere to be. No. I was like, bitch, what you talking about? How do you come on the internet and think you're going to be, you're going to win that one? Just the audacity to be Um, like, well, people are obviously going to be on my side. No. That girl who was like, oh, be honest. Do you wash your hands in your own house after peeing? I do. Every time. Yes. And someone said, you know, black people, again, the porch sitters, (laughs) look at this, jumped on it. They were like, um. This is why you don't eat in everybody's house. <laughs> this girl had the nerve to get on and say, what are you talking about? I wash my hands in other people's houses. That- <laughs> it's like, you don't understand what's happening here at all. It is so instinctual, so habitual. I will wash my hands after leaving a bathroom stall if I didn't even use the restroom. Like, I'll walk in if to I- fix my clothes. Right. And then I'll walk out and still wash my hands. If I walk into a bathroom for any reason... I wash my hands. It's just, it's, I don't even think about it. You know who doesn't? Men. And I, they've done studies and they're like, men do not wash their hands. So much to a fact that I've heard from doctors who, if they have like patients who are immunocompromised, mm-hmm. they'll say, use your own risk when like shaking hands with women, but they're like, do not shake men's <laughs> hands because they just don't wash their hands. <sighs> y- y'all. We every I've had so many times this week where I thought we've got to do better. It was this and it was the other time was when I heard that 40% of Americans would not buy Corona beer because they were worried about the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) One day my son's going to be like, what was it like when he's learning in school about this time period? He's like, what was it like? Foolishness. Foolishness. Sit down. I got a lot. I got a lot of words to tell you. I'm just that like, can you imagine the emergency meetings they have to have? Because like y'all, these t- <laughs> 40%, 4-0, nearly half of all surveyed Americans. I just... I just, I love it. I, it's That's not as bad as the, what was it, 12% of Americans that thought chocolate milk came from brown cows? <laughs> <laughs> that's why, like, whenever I hear, like, some ridiculous, like, there's still 5% of Americans who are satisfied with Trump. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Well. So there's a big contingent of Americans who be dumb. What I heard about this coronavirus, corona, that it was 38% exactly. Yes, so I had rounded up a bit. <laughs> and Trump also had a 38% approval rating. <gasps> oh my, we found it. So I'll just leave that there, but that's that's how I saw that particular statistic presented the other day. We found it, y'all. We found it. So, <laughs> so that's sidetrack. TK has, has the, the rabies. rabies. <laughs> <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs> that was not planned at all. Uh, 
been doing this too long. We have. <laughs> so yeah, so Tika got the rabies. And he's getting all jealous and aggravated. And guess who comes back up? Mrs. Turner's light-skinned brother. <laughs> so T-Cake's in the house. He's, he's acting all crazy. Um, he has to sleep in a room by himself. He keeps kind of forgetting what's going on. Janie, Janie does some real unique shit here. <laughs> she goes in at one point and she sees that he has the pistol under his pillow. And she's yeah. like, T-Cake never slept with a pistol under his pillow before. And she leaves it there. She breaks it open. Because this, this is why I tell you, too detailed, <laughs> too wild. She breaks it open and sees that it has three bullets in the chamber. And she's like, okay, if I take the bullets out, then he's going to know and get crazy. And I'd be like, yes, Janie, but he wouldn't have a gun. Exactly. <laughs> so she turns the chamber so that it she'll have three warning shots three empty um clicks to the trigger exactly before she gets shot and she puts it back under the pillow then she takes their rifle and she puts it in the kitchen and she takes two shells and puts them in her apron pocket and she's like this is just in case Ooh, janie girl Janie girl, you are. You're in danger. You should never have to have two shotgun shells in your pocket. Just in case. Just in case. When I tell you there was an easier solution, Janie, to just take the gun away. <laughs> but essentially she thinks like the doctor's going, he's riding to Orlando and uh, Miami. <laughs> she does say Orlando. Ruby D does pronounce it with a uh when she reads it. It was great. Um... For some serum that probably won't work, but maybe he it, don't know. It won't. I think it's. It I think won't. it's too far. We're it's, too far gone. Even in this day and age, if you get rabies and you start showing symptoms, you're dead. If any weird animal bites you or scratches <laughs> you, just go on to the hospital. Because exactly. rabies. Did you know that some people think traditional zombie stories are based on rabies? Rabies I, is not to be fucked with. I could see that. I could see that. Well, because read this book, I. Of course, I had to go wiki rabies. So I went wiki <laughs> rabies. And, like, it is serious. Like, we still can't. We have no vaccine. We, I mean, Mm-mm. I guess we do have vaccines. No, but yeah. But once nothing you that get after it, sort of, yep. Yeah, once you get it, you you, you dead. You dead, girl. Yeah. <laughs> that doctor was right. So he's definitely going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's in there, like, laughing, pound around with T.K. Oh, you sure he's love like, your oh, wiki T.K. <laughs> you ain't been drinking enough blood. He goes out. He's like, so T.K.'s going to die. <laughs> So she's waiting. She goes that morning to see if the serum has come. Tea cake in his, his rabid mind thinks that she's stepping out. She's stepping out, going to see Mrs. Turner's brother. So when she comes back, he comes out with the revolver. And he's like, I've been good to you. I've done this. I've done mm-hmm. that. And she's like pleading with him like, you know, tea cake, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, he he takes a shot at her. <laughs> you know, the chamber was empty. It clicked. Mm-hmm. She's like, tea cake, please don't do this. Don't do this. He takes another shot at her. I'm oh, like, Janie, get out of there. Janie, how many times are you going to let this man shoot this gun at you? Pull this trigger in your vicinity. She, you know, is thinking, well, what should I do? What should I do? He takes a third shot at her. And that's she, it, Janie. <laughs> that's, that's it. it. Shit gets real for real right then. She takes a 
she breaks open the rifle, um, you know, loads the bullets, aims it at him, thinks like this will be, you know, this will scare him enough, but he's still like, he's rabid at this point. <laughs> and um, they both fire at the same time. His bullet goes over her head. She hits him in the chest because she is a better shot than him. They yes. say several times. Yes, I was going to say this brings up all the shooting lessons. That, that she uh, could uh, shoot the head off a chicken hawk while it was in a tree. tree. <laughs> so then she's like destroyed. She runs over to tea cake. He bites her. Okay. This is what I wanted to talk about earlier. Does she have cause for concern? I would think so. Did but it you know what? Maybe skin? that serum came. <laughs> That's what I was, I was like, I don't know how, J.D. Because it is a couple months afterwards when she returns home, right? Yeah. So I was like, either he didn't break the skin or she got that serum. But I'm like, there's a reason Miss Hurston describes with detail about how this man's teeth right. bit her forearm. And she had to pry his dead head oh. off of her forearm. Mm. And mm. so T-Cake dead. T-Cake dead. She does go to trial for it. The fastest. It is. They got like in an hour. Like we want this shit done. Right. They're like, well, she shouldn't sit in prison for too long. She's too so pretty. They put her on trial. Uh, she talks about how all the uh, people on the muck, uh, uh, you know, are like angry at her. It's like she killed tea cake and he was too good for her. Da, 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 da. Um, all the white women come out to like gawk at her. Well, they're very sympathetic to her cause. At first, they're gawking at her. And then after she um, is acquitted, which I thought, like, there's so much shade in this book. They, like, circle around her and they're, like, very sympathetic. And they're like, oh, my goodness, it's so horrible. I was like, I see what you're doing. <laughs> and then uh, she gets off. It's just, like, there's not much to say about the trial. Yeah, it's so quick. The it's so quick. Tea Cake's friends, the other black people down in the muck, go and they're very angry. Mm-hmm. They're very, um, they want to speak out about what Janie did. They do not get their time to speak in the trial. Right, they, because they the judge tells them to shut up. Yeah, all you dusty Negroes will throw you out. And then the white women applaud. Ugh. But yeah, so she gets found not guilty. It was an act of self-defense. She yeah. goes and she throws tea cake, this the lavish funeral. lavish funeral you which, can imagine. Which seems to be like, everyone's okay. We cool. They're like, okay, well, you we know, sent our she's... boy off. Right. And so I think they say, there's a really good line, like, um, because they loved tea cake a little bit more than they loved Jamie. <laughs> they kind of like, and it's something like they want to be quickly forgiven. They kind of like come back around to her after she like gives them this huge send off and buys them the new guitar and all this stuff. But I think she, at that point, looks around and she's like, you know, these aren't my friends here. Like, she kind of tries to make it work, but she's like, without tea cake here, it's not really worth it. So she, it seems like she just walks back. <laughs> like, she doesn't take anything. She's still in her overalls. She just heads back to Eatonville. She bounces. Yeah. Like, bye, y'all. So. Just like she left that first husband. <laughs> she, you know what, J.D. has no problem just upping and leaving. Just upping and leaving. She comes back. She's all, like, covered in, like, the muck. <laughs> yes, because that's the very first. We sort of skipped over it. The yeah. very, very first, like, intro to the book is Janie returning and all the gossipy neighbors, like, here she comes. Where's that young thing she left with? And blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And so she sits and tells this whole story to her friend, Phoebe. Um, I just, I love, like, 
you know, those ending paragraphs, like, after Phoebe's left and she's going through the house, mm-hmm. um, you know, she says it's aired out, and she's kind of afraid to go back into the bedroom, because that's where, like, she and TK were fucking, but <laughs> she goes up there, and she thinks to herself, like, yes, he's gone, but, like, he's dead, but he's not gone so long as she's there to remember him, and she, like, takes up, like, that horizon that mm-hmm. uh, she said that the grandmother had kind of kept fr- from her. And wraps it around herself, shows that she's made like life her own, and then it ends. It was like, oh. Uh, I really like this book on the reread because I remember the first time I read it, I thought Janie was kind of passive, and she still kind of is. Mm-hmm. But I think, considering when it was written, and considering how she does in many ways, she's the one who makes the decisions. Well, to leave like two nobody husbands, right? Well, like, it's one nobody husband, and then not really more in the second one and take right. control and go what she wanted. What she wanted was, you know, this exciting love story. Right. And it's like learning more about Zora Neale Hurston. Like it's such a shame that we didn't get more books from her. I know. Because I could, if she was out here calling herself the queen of the niggerati, <laughs> this it. book was for as wild as it was, I feel like was a little bit constrained probably. Oh, from probably. How she really was. Probably. So it's like, could you imagine if she had, you know, the ability to write exactly the way she was living? I can't, I can't imagine. Right. Prudes keep us from having all the best things in They life. really do. All these, these patriarchies and, right. and norms. What was that quote? Oh, writing about laughing or drinking. Chicken and hollering. The Miss Turners of the world are keeping us all down. Right. Right. I was prepared to like talk about themes and like what does a mule represent, but you know what? I'm glad I would rather this book was this book was so much fun, and I'm glad we don't take it super high capital L literature. Yeah, because I don't think that's what it's about. No, I think she's a good enough writer to do that, and, and I, I think, think it's did. in there. But I think the true legacy of it is like how these people lived. Exactly, like the realism of it. Like you can read this and be like, this shit could happen today. I believe this is how people down in Florida in the 30s were living. And it is a reflection of how we are living today. Like, it's a, like, black culture right here. Like, the endurance of it. Somebody got in a fight with a dog in Florida this week. I know it. Right? I know it. Somebody is right now probably talking about, oh, I saw a big-ass dog. (laughs) Somebody probably had, like, a big fight. Like, over some fried chicken. Like. And it's real in a way that I feel like a lot of the other books I've read from this period are kind of like, oh, we have to uphold the race and we have to make sure we're only ever showing our good side and because white people are reading. And it's like, well, if white people are reading this, they're going to see like not hatred toward them, but realness, like the yeah. dudes with the gun, the country man doctor, the yeah. white ladies like, you know, uh, clapping because uh, the judge said he was gonna kill them and then like patting Janie on the head like she was a little pet like yeah I don't know it's just realness so I I love this book I was gonna say that's also why I want to watch the Oprah version because I bet you I wonder if they what what translation or which version they put to screen I would be interested too because it seems like you know it's Oprah no offense to Oprah fans but I I feel like she falls more into that former category where it's like always show your best side so I I, yeah I would be interested to see if like it keeps that 
that realness, like that unvarnished look at black life, because I don't quite think that that's Oprah's aesthetic. Yeah. So, um, no, that was, I think we definitely recommend this book. Absolutely. Without saying. <laughs> black girl classic. The new yes. Niggerati. Look for the swag coming I, soon. I love it so much. <laughs> Miss um, Hurston's estate, please don't come for us. We'll give, we can cut you in if we that's what you want. You we can we can work something out. But uh, it's I mean, like this foolishness. Out of all the writers, out of all the old timey writers, like everyone has their favorite. Like Zora Neale Hurston has to be mine because that's how I want to live my life: laughing and eating and fighting. You know, that's my people. That's my people. Uh, <laughs> so. I think that's a wrap. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I can't. I've never laughed so hard as when I discovered Nigarati. I never laughed so hard as when Molly broke down the set of circumstances that truly took out one of literature's most charismatic, charismatic. characters. <laughs> a mad dog on the back of a cow in the middle of a hurricane in Southern Florida. Just. Like, it's so, it's just, it's perfect. I it's love perfect. this episode. What are you reading, Molly? <laughs> Uh, I was not expecting to go first. No, sorry, because, I could go first because no, I'm short. I could say Don't be sorry because we do this literally every single time. <laughs> and I said to myself, because I knew I knew the title, I knew the dude's first name because this is someone like, you know, oh, from Twitter, I know we're, you know, been following a long time. Uh-huh. And you always think of their Twitter handles so their actual name. Yes. So I said, Molly, at the start of this episode, pull the book up, pull it up. Because Daniel's going to ask you, and we sit here two hours. And I looked up Coon Dick, and I looked up <laughs> Southern Florida, and I looked up, uh, you know, straight from a ham. But I did not look up the dude's name. But, um, so I just started Real Life by Brandon Taylor. Awesome. You're doing better than me. I mm-hmm. have been in such a slump. I finished this book. Mm-hmm. And that has honestly been the only book I finished in quite a while. That's fine. I read Their Eyes Were Watching God. Yeah. I have, the weeks where I've been doing that. I have been comfort listening. Okay. So we know Beverly Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote a book called Forbidden. Mm-hmm. And it's not even one of my, I mean, it is, uh, it's not my favorite, but it's the one I listen to most often because it is so, I think I've told you this, so comfortable. It's just people hanging out. She's always cooking, talking about food. Like, it's just so chill. There is a love story there, but it comes kind of like, it's very slow burn and very slow, so it doesn't even really impact the story till later. Mm-hmm. And it's just a whole bunch of black people hanging out, going to parties. We're cooking pies. We're mm-hmm. making fried chicken. And, like, so I'll be at work, and, I like, all my podcasts have gone through, and I'm like, I just need something. I don't want to listen to music. I'll just play that book. So Aww. I've listened to, like, six hours of non-consecutive <laughs> audio like not even straight through of uh that book so that's probably it i've been really bad guys i've been in the worst slump no it's been a lot it's been a lot it's been a big uh uh february it's been a long um trying black history month it it really surely has so we we'll save i was about to say we sort of figured out our next book and i'm really excited for that i think we can say it give people time okay we're gonna read Heaven My Home by Attica yes. Locke. Yes. We've read it before, we liked it, and I am I'm ready. I have I'm, I have many thoughts about this book. I have words, I have things to say. Cause I think <laughs> I said this to you before. This is the first book that is truly of the Trump era, 
Yeah. Talking about the Trump era. Yeah. Because we read, so we read Bluebird, Bluebird. Mm-hmm. And it was, we liked it. We did it for the show. Yeah. We read Heaven, My Home. And Separately. it's like, separately just on our own yeah and it's like you it's almost interesting to see like this because that came out at the start of the trump era this is coming out at what's hopefully the end of it oh please lord let it be the end of it and let me just say miss Locke has some things to say some things to say so i'm super excited and it took some turns that i need to talk about with someone yes so i think about that ending every once in a while and i'm like i can't believe it yeah. So. And I'm, that's going to be a TV show, I think? I think. I read. She's doing something that's getting adapted. I don't know if it's that one. Okay. We can. Well, well you know what? We can do that in that episode. Yeah. We, we can don't do that have, in that episode. <laughs> we don't have to have all the answers now. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much. I know this was a long one, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It really um, was. I had a blast. We want to thank our patrons. Um, Frank, Kat, Montera, Brianna, Ellen, I found this great book podcast, Sylvia, Adoria, um, Ollie, Emily, Latoya, and Maria. Yes, um, thank you for your support. We really seriously. appreciate it. <laughs> like, we really appreciate it. You really help us like keep the podcast on the air with like fees and seriously. all those other fun things. Um, if you want to follow us and all our shenanigans for free, you can do that on Twitter at Black Chicklet, on Instagram at BCL Podcast. We also have a website, blackchicklet.com. If you have questions or comments, if you want to send us fan drawings of what you think T Cake looks like. Oh um, my god. I fan love casting that. for the remake. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. All of it. Send them to contact at blackchicklet.com. Um, as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Your engagement gives us bonus points with the algorithm, and it helps other people find the podcast. Yeah, and um, thanks to Sweet45 for use of our theme song, Jones In. You can find them on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash forward slash. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I was in speech therapy for a long time? No. Forward slash Sweet45. S-U-I-T-E-4-5. Awesome. That's it. That's another <laughs> That's episode it, of Shenanigans. We will see you next week for White Chick Lit. <laughs> after that, for Heaven My Home. Ooh, and I can't wait for that one. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to tag Attica Lock and be like, ma'am, ma'am, you loved it. We got thoughts. Exactly. Girl, you threw your whole foot in this one. <laughs> Put your whole foot. There's that country. There's that country saying. I love it. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye, bye guys. Bye, guys.